Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're back. Second hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Whatever you're doing with the show today, we appreciate it. Whether it's listening on our fine, one of our fine radio stations across the network, whether it's watching on YouTube, on Twitter, we thank you. We are coming to you live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us on Monday. Armando Salguero, special guest co-host today. He's terrific. He writes for OutKick.com, covered the NFL for a long time, very much into the NFL. And Armando, you're so into the NFL that you wanted to just give a reminder to the people out there that something is ending and something else is beginning very, very soon. Oh, first of all, thank you for terrific, because I guess that goes with esteemed. That's so two. now I'm esteemed That's my second adjective. That's two. I'm going to count them as we go. That's two, that's two thus you. far. Yep. Normally, the adjective that fits me that starts with a T is tragic, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm good. I may get I'm to good. that one still, Armando. We don't know. It's a, The show's still young. I've got plenty it's of time early. for more adjectives, yes. I get you. I get you. So, dude, this is a great time to be alive in America. It really is. And the reason for that is the NFL season ended on February 12th, 2023. And since February 12th, 2023, America has been pining for the real sport, the national sport, the national pastime, the most popular game in the country to return. And I am here to announce to you, America, that next week, the NFL is back. Next week, Chad, training camps open. And while games don't start right away, football is back, baby. What do you think about that? This football is returns next week. You gave a lot of great energy to that, Armando. I love it. This is a football-obsessed sports culture that we live in in America right now. Certainly, the excitement level is going to be here starting next week as we gear up and get closer and closer to the season. I also think now that we're kind of in a place like – I'm a baseball fan, but I, I recognize not everyone's a baseball fan. But I feel like for most of the sporting public, you have to almost create a reason to be into something or excited about it with baseball season. You know, oh, I really like this red story. Or, oh, my team is one more – you know, the Marlins are better than expected down in Florida, so I'll follow this a little bit more. That's not the case with football, whether it be NFL or college, because there's no fabricating it. The passion is there. The interest is there no matter what. And when your team is bad, the interest can be even more into it because of the, the feelings, the negative feelings that bruise up inside of people that you're almost paying more attention to it. So I think that's the great part about this time of year as we gear up for the NFL season is there's no more faking it, right? There are true baseball fans and NBA playoff fans or whatever. I, I get that. But for a lot of people, we're kind of faking it. We're, we're trying to gin up interest in something in these months. There's no ginning up interest when football season is here. It's there. The interest is and there the, no matter what. 
and the metrics are tangible. So yesterday, Outkick had this, um, uh, I guess, training session uh, for SEO, they call it, for you know keywords and stuff on your stories to make your stories popular. And it was one of the graphics that showed that at the end of July, America starts going to Google and searching NFL and training camps and, you know, their team names and stuff like that. And the spike is tangible. And so next week, the Jets open training camp on the 19th. The Browns open on the 21st. Uh, you know, the, the Falcons, Ravens, Bills, Broncos, Lions, Jags, Pats, Saints, 49ers, Giants, and Commanders open on the, 20, on the 22nd. So... We're going to get going here. We're going to get uh, Google is going to, you know, be on fire. America is going to be on fire. Uh, and why? Because it is football season once again. Only training camp, if you want to say only. But by the way, I am going to the, um, to the uh, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. For the induction ceremony, August fourth. Oh, nice. So yeah, so that that's in lovely Canton, Ohio. So you know, it starts in earnest. We'll have to if we can. We'll have to get you on from uh, Canton, but you can read all that coverage uh, from Armando at Outkick.com. So looking forward to seeing that. You know, Mark Cuban once said something about. You know, the, the calf is fattened right before the slaughter or the pig gets too fat right before it's slaughtered. And maybe the NFL is just going to get too big. And then eventually it's going to be cut down to size at some point for that reason. This was Mark Cuban's argument. I see Armando's face right now. Not mine when he said that. Um, what could derail the NFL at this point? You know, I've thought about this. In, in 2016, there was a big election going on. But, you know, what what many would deem as woke politics entering the game with Colin Kaepernick and players kneeling during the anthem, that did affect ratings for a short time. The NFL quickly rebounded when, the people, when players kneeling stopped happening. But I'm always trying to think of, is it... I don't know that anything is so sacred that you can't kill it, but the NFL may be pretty damn close right now. I'm not sure what they could do to ruin interest in the NFL right now. They've got a great thing going. Is there anything, Armando, you can point to that would hurt the interest? Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it, look, ask baseball. <laughs> baseball was the national pastime once upon a time. It was what the NFL is now in the 40s, 50s, and arguably even the 60s, and it's not that anymore. But you Why? know what I would argue with that, though, Armando? I think that was less about baseball's problem and more about people discovering football like football became more prevalent on television and then Americans started to see that oh man this game that happens once a week is the perfect televised product it's better on tv than baseball it's perfect in the middle of your screen watching it so I think as television started to pick up with football that's what hurt baseball's interest because football took off I can't think of the other sport right now that would be the football to baseball of 30, 40 years ago, right? That would then go into the national consciousness and, and surpass the NFL or football anyway. I just, I can't fathom it right now. Right. Well, football did that, did that to baseball because football was part of the modernization of our society. Football is faster. Baseball is slower. 
and the society was turning fat to faster, not slower. Now, unless we go back, you know, to slower than, or if you come up with something faster than football, but you know what would be a terrible blow to the NFL if it ever decided to do this would be embracing China like the N- NBA has done. That would hurt the NFL at this stage anyway. Uh, China's not our friend, and I think most people know it. And the NBA doesn't know it because the NBA is in bed financially with China. And so the NBA will actually fire players and muzzle people so that the folks of the Chinese Communist Party will be happy. Uh, But a lot of folks have recognized that. The NFL has sort of initially after kind of moving toward China has taken a step kind of away from China. And I think that helps. Obviously, uh, that's politics. Uh, I don't know what in sport itself could hurt the NFL. I would say this. The NFL is trying to become less um, physical. And in that it's propping up flag football, it's changing rules, it's it's making uh, player safety a thing that it obviously wants to uh, emphasize. But in doing all those good things, it's becoming less physical. Whereas 10 years ago, 15, 20, what did we love to watch, Chad? Hits. The big hits. The yeah. jacked up segment on ESPN. When you when you were on ESPN, Armando, those jacked up segments, that's what we were watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that might be, you know, the, the underlying possibly uh, moment where, you know, the sport loses its mojo. Yeah, embracing China would be a mistake. Colin Kaepernick embraced Castro. We see how that worked out for him uh, in that move. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about. You know what could possibly happen to go south. But the good news is we don't think about that right now because the NFL is permanently in our national consciousness. It's going to stay there. And oh, by the way, training camp is about to start uh, across the league. Yay! You know, you talked about all those search engine things, right? I, I wonder how many people after hearing about Dan Snyder, searched blackmail PowerPoint because that's part of this report where we knew, Armando, that Dan Snyder knows where the bodies are buried across the league. Well, apparently, he brought those to light, or at least some of them, with emails, with text messages, with stories he knew about in a very uncomfortable meeting that took place between Snyder's attorneys and a select group of NFL owners and NFL executives that has since been referred to as the blackmail PowerPoint presentation that was done by Daniel Snyder's team. Uh, nothing is ever easy with this guy, Armando. It, it just They can't just sell the team and go away quietly. There's always something to learn. Yeah, uh, Daniel Snyder, everything that comes out about him proves that, um, you know, you don't have to be a a great upstanding citizen to be a billionaire. And there are definitely billionaires out there that are just slime. And so uh, the one thing that I take out of the excellent reporting that ESPN did on that story is that number one, there's been no significant pushback whatsoever on it. Um, The NFL will gather next week, supposedly, to in Minneapolis to 
move on from Daniel Snyder. And um, it'll be a good time had by all because it is time to move on from the next, you know, the Washington, at the time they were called the Washington Redskins, were a legacy team in the NFL for a lot of years and for decades. And they won a lot in that time, including Super Bowl under Joe Gibbs. Uh, Super Bowls, plural. Daniel Snyder takes over and that club becomes uh, a barren wasteland of disaster and muck and slime and greaseball way of doing things and congressional hearings and investigations by districts attorneys in multiple cities and, and jurisdictions. The NFL wants to run away from Daniel Snyder, and I think it's time. And we're going to get that time soon. I'm going to pose this question to you. I posed it earlier this week on the show, but ideas in this country can kind of be cyclical like fashion. You know, different things come back from 20, 30 years ago that we thought when it was over with that would never come back in in style. Uh, And I think sensibilities of people, what they care about and what they're offended about and what they're going to protest change over time. The Washington Commanders still can't find a trademark for the commander's name. Would it ever be acceptable for a new owner? I'm saying any point, five, ten years from now, 15 years from now, to say we're going to go back to the Redskins' name. People don't care about it anymore. We've got these Native American coalitions on our side. You know, We're going to donate money to these tribes and do this and that. But this is what our fans want. It's what we want. We're going to do it. Could that ever happen in the future? I don't see it happening. Um, I, I, I don't know that anybody who would rise to ownership levels of all the things and all the battles that they have to fight, uh, including, by the way, win some games, yeah. uh, that that would be the hill that they would choose to die on. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's just not going to be someone that would do that and have the intestinal gumption and fortitude and and courage, really, if you want to call it that, to take on that fight. Um, You know, for a long time, we've had people change the the definitions of words. I remember once upon a time that gay was happy. Okay, (laughs) that's I'm that old. I mean, you could read right? that word in books from years ago, and that's what it means. Yes. It still appears in many books, and that's the definition. Yes. Yep. And uh, I remember vaccine used to be an inoculation. They changed the definition of that word a couple of years ago, and now it doesn't mean that you're inoculated. Now it means you feel better. Um, so, and, and if you don't believe me, look it up at the CDC, folks. So, I never grew up thinking Redskins was 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 a racial undertone type of thing. Now that I think about it, of course, yeah, I I see it. Um, I don't see someone trying to change the definition of that to somehow make it acceptable to enough people to where's that would be the undertaking that, that happens. Yeah, of the name changes, the Indians to Guardians is an example. The, the Redskins moniker is the most offensive of, of all of those, right? I think anybody with a brain can see that that's the case with that one. 
I'm just curious. I'm kind of polling different guests we have on the show that I just feel like everything changes so fast that at some point people, you know, we kind of keep our eye on a different ball of what we care about at large in society, right, over the years. So will people stop caring about that more one day? You're, you're right. I don't think any owner is going to want to take on that headache uh, that they would face to do it. So it's probably never going to happen. Uh, but just By the way, what is the about. Guardian? Well, I mean, it's the trolls it's the or whatever on the bridge in the city, I think. It's some reference to like the – I feel like they have some sort of a, a fantastical beast that guards the city, and it's on the bridge <laughs> coming into Cleveland, and it's an ode to those – these troll-like characters. It's dumb. I mean, we've got <laughs> T- Tyler Castle, one of our producers here in studio with us uh, who works with us every day. He is an Indians fan. I don't know that he's a Guardians fan. I know he's not a fan of the name. Stupid name. I, I'm, I'm with every fan of Cleveland that thinks it's stupid. Uh, Taylor Bashotti is not stupid. She is our guest next. She's been on the show before with the NFL Network. She's going to join us to talk some football. Armando's favorite sport. We'll continue covering it when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. If you follow me throughout the years, you know I'm a South Dakota girl at heart who grew up in a ranching family. And I know that America First isn't just a political movement. It's a kitchen table issue, literally. You know, I always support American family-owned companies, ranchers and farmers who put high-quality meat products on the tables of their fellow Americans. And my friends at Omaha Steaks are the experts. With Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift to give Dad than the experience of world-class Omaha Steaks? This package includes a mouth-watering assortment of Dad's grilling favorites like Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Top Sirloins, Juicy Boneless Pork Chops, Deli-Style Gourmet Jumbo Franks, and their legendary Omaha Steaks Burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code OUTKICK at checkout. Get mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99. And as a bonus, use promo code OUTKICK to get $10 off your order. We're back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Friday edition of the show. Thanks to everyone out there for joining us today. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton out today. He'll be back with us on Monday. Armando Salguero joining us, talking uh, all things, not just NFL. That is one thing about uh, Armando Salguero that many don't know. The man is a renaissance man. He can talk about anything, not just football. The very versatile, versatile, versatile Armando Salguero. That's three, Armando. That's three adjectives to describe you so far. Uh, Taylor Bashotti, she's going to join us this segment also. Uh, she is with NFL Network, joined us before in the past. Uh, Taylor Armando had this great. I feel speech. like that was so underwhelming after Armando. Yeah, like I was. I was trying to think. Of the I'm right just a one-trick pony over here with the NFL. I mean, Taylor, I'm just not that smart. I can only come up with one good <laughs> adjective to describe someone per segment. So maybe by the end of the segment, I'll think of the proper adjective to describe Armando you on our show today. It. But it's, it's well deserved. At, at some point, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there for sure. But Armando just had this great <laughs> speech about you know the long national nightmare is almost over because. NFL training camp is starting next week, which I know uh, is a great time for you and, and your work at NFL Network. I know it's like a double-edged sword. You know, you're so excited for it to come back, but at the same time, it's like the, the, the end of summer, the end of free time. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we all, we haven't had the official announcement yet, but it's already been leaked that uh, the Jets are going to be on hard knocks, which I know that everybody 
should be excited for that because that's just going to be great TV. I don't think they could have picked a better team that has more excitement around it right now with Aaron Rodgers. They had offensive player of the year, uh, defensive or rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. So that's going to make for some good TV. Yeah. Whenever Aaron Rodgers is involved, you know, it's going to be good TV. <laughs> and I want, I want to get into that with you here momentarily a little bit more. Also, I also want to thank you for joining the show today because you may be the only person in Los Angeles that's not currently on strike uh, with the writer strike and the actor strike the going on. Yeah, I think the Directors Guild just ended a strike or didn't go on strike or something happened. But what's the atmosphere like in L.A. and in, in Hollywood right now? I'm sure you've got, you know a lot of people in entertainment. Being in entertainment yeah. yourself, what what's it like with uh, almost everyone on strike? You know, I, I, I don't know, too. I'm not too heavily involved in that world, but I think it's an understandable strike that they're going on just because of how much the media landscape has changed over the last, you know, 10 even five years, just with how much people are streaming and TV shows and rights. And so it's natural that everybody wants to be compensated and have their pay reflect all the hard work that they're doing. So hopefully it, you know, gets resolved soon because I know that, I mean, we're all missing I mean, everybody's going to eventually hopefully come to an agreement on it because we're all missing out on great TV. So you had mentioned we're the talking. Jets, Taylor, and I, I want to get into specifically with the Jets and the interest uh, with that team now with, with Aaron Rodgers. The NFL is funny in that it's so popular. You know, it, it sometimes doesn't matter what market you're in. If you're a superstar, you're a superstar because there's only 32 NFL teams. And if you're the starting quarterback for that team and you're really good, everyone's going to find you. But there does seem to be something special about Aaron Rodgers in New York. And that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers wasn't a popular topic when he was the Green Bay Packers quarterback as well. But have you found that to be the case that in NFL Network's coverage of Aaron Rodgers, everything about him, yeah. that there seems to be a little bit more sizzle around that story because of the New York market? Absolutely. I mean, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, so it's only natural that people are going to follow him. And more, more than that, he's a quarterback that isn't necessarily scared to share his opinion on things. And although it might be different, he's not, you know, scared to share that he's going to go on a wellness retreat and stay in a dark cave for a week, or he's going to experiment with um, ayahuasca, or he's just going to, he really beats to his own drum. And so that's entertaining and polarizing kind of in and of itself. And then he's joining a team that really felt like they really just needed that quarterback component in order to really take it to that next level. And I also feel like he seems totally revitalized. So for a player that, you know, in years past, you know, is he going to show up to training camp? Is he not? Is he happy with his contract? Is he not? Is he going to retire or is he not? Now he just seems to be so all in on this new team and he seems to really just be embracing it. And I mean, you saw him dancing at a Taylor Swift concert. You've seen him courtside at basketball games. So it kind of seems like this new rejuvenated, revitalized Aaron Rodgers, which I mean, with the natural talent and skill that he has, it's going to be really exciting to see him on this New York team. We're talking to Taylor Bashadi, the outstanding reporter anchor at the NFL Network. And Taylor, I know that you've been keeping track of the DeAndre Hopkins situation. He wanted to play for, I think, Jay, or with Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Do you think that happens eventually? I mean, he obviously is not signed. What are the hopes that he can still accomplish that? I think that he'll end up with, I think the favorites are right now or the ones that really truly just make the most sense is the Patriots and then the Titans. 
Both are probably the lead favorites for where he could end up. We all know that the Patriots definitely need a receiver. And then the Titans got rid of A.J. Brown. They've kind of been needing that hole filled since then. Um, So I don't think it's going to be one of those five quarterbacks that he named, but I do think that a deal will get done for him. You met you. uh, You spoke with Devontae Adams uh, and a a few months ago, and he was very candid with you about how the Las Vegas Raiders have been open to his opinion. Um, Tell us about that. And what was your take on that whole that whole approach by the Raiders? So I don't know if I spoke to him specifically about that. I spoke to him last training camp um, or actually last preseason. So I don't think it was me, but it was probably one of my colleagues. And he, um, are you saying in terms of what he was saying? Position. Yeah, no, the court, the quote was never have I been encouraged to use my voice and share my opinion as much as I have with these guys when he was um, doing his press conference. Absolutely. I think that, look, I don't think that what he said was wrong. He had his concerns about what direction the Raiders were going to go in terms of taking Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, naturally he's going to want to play with his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, when that was possibly in the runnings at the time. Um, I think he said all the right things at that press conference. So he's allowed to have his opinion. He's allowed to express his opinions on things. And I think that more often than not, especially during these summer months, especially when things are not as busy. People sometimes take things out of context and they don't just take it for what he was saying. They try to construe it. They take little bits of a quote and kind of overanalyze it. And I think that that was really what he was trying to say is sometimes just take me for like the whole thing that I'm trying to say, rather than just taking a quote from a huge paragraph of what I was saying. And unfortunately, I think that whether it be the media or fans or just anybody that's from the outside looking in just tries to kind of overanalyze certain words and situations because he was nothing but extremely positive about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the biggest question mark there is, is Jimmy going to be healthy enough to play right now? Taylor Bashotti of NFL Network, a fine reporter for NFL Network with us on Hot Mike. Taylor, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday about DeAndre Hopkins And they were saying, well, you know, if he really cares about succeeding and doing well, he needs to sign in time to be in training camp uh, with someone and be there for the whole training camp and get prepared. And I'm thinking it just feels like training camp, at least in the the minds of the players, has been devalued a bit over the years, especially for veteran guys. They feel like if they stay in shape throughout the year that they don't really need the full training camp. And I think they kind of pick and choose when to sign sometimes to get through parts of training camp where they're not there the entire time. You, you go live to training camps. You talk to players around the league. Do you feel like players' thoughts on camp has evolved and that especially free agents now kind of feel that way about signing up in time for training camp, or is it just sort of to each his own? Uh, I, I think that you have a very fair, valid point right there with you know players approaching training camp in different ways. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins actually specifically spoke about practicing before games and practicing in general, being a part of training camp. He said that at this stage in his career, he knows his body better than anyone else. He knows what's best for his body. He knows that certain days are not good for him to be practicing. He can only practice at a certain level if they want him to perform at the level that he is on the field. That being said, he has had a lot of injuries. So 
Look, I think that every coach, every team, every organization approaches it differently. You've always heard that teams give players during the season, especially Veterans Day off and more time to rest. And somebody like DeAndre that is injury prone, maybe they do give him a little bit more leeway because you know that he probably doesn't want to be on the field that much. He knows or thinks he knows like what's best for his body, which I'm sure he does. And so I think that he's spoken about that a few times and just kind of emphasized that saying, you know, I don't need to be out there for every practice, every drill. I know my body best. I know what's going to make me be in the best shape and allow me to perform at the best that I can be. So I don't think the teams should be overly concerned if he's out there. It's DeAndre Hopkins. You know that once he is on the field and he's healthy, he can certainly perform. I think the AFC North is going to be fascinating this year, especially with the quarterbacks at the top of that division. Of course, Joe Burrow. But Lamar Jackson sort of ending the drama. A lot of pressure on him this year. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and specifically, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, after yeah. having not played for as long, he looked bad at the end of last year, and there's expectations in Cleveland as well within that division. Taylor, as you look at that entire division, what, what's the first thing that really jumps out to you that you're going to be watching this season and, and most interested in with either those quarterbacks or any of those teams? I'm definitely interested to see how Lamar does. I think the big hole that everybody has always said is that, or the big knock on the Ravens offense is that they don't have receivers for Lamar to throw to. Well, now they've got quite a few receivers for him to throw to. They've got Zay Flowers, who they just drafted in the first round out of BC. And then of course they picked up Odell Beckham Jr. Bateman is supposed to be healthy this year. So long gone are the excuses that Lamar doesn't have a receiver to throw to. And I think with their new offensive coordinator and Lamar having a deal done where there isn't any concern of, you know, is he sitting out because of injury? Is he sitting out because he doesn't want to risk getting hurt? Is he, I think that he has the potential and he has every resource to get back to his MVP level. And of course he got his big contract that he wanted. So there's a lot of pressure on that team, on him, on the offense in general. So it'll be interesting to see them. And then, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, I just don't see them regressing at all. So it'll be difficult to take away the winners of that division from the Bengals. But I do think that it'll be definitely at least a two-team playoff division. Taylor, so Monday, uh, franchise players have until four, franchise tag players have until four o'clock to sign their tag or get a contract for a long term, otherwise the long term deal is is not a possibility. Yeah, is that media driven drama or is that real stuff? Is that really dangerous for the New York Giants with Saquon Barkley and the Las Vegas Raiders with Josh Jacobs and even the Jaguars with Evan Ingram? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's very much so real. Real. I mean, once the deadline is coming past, they can't negotiate for a long-term deal. Um, My guess would be that Saquon and the team come to terms and both give a little bit. The difficulty there is that the running back market is just not where it once was. And so while he's looking at previous contracts and pre-existing, you know, pre that predate this one, he's thinking, well, why am I not getting that kind of money? Think about how much I contribute to this offense. And He's not wrong, but it's just, it's hard for a team to justify paying a running back that much more than what the market value is. It just doesn't necessarily make sense from their side. And you can understand his frustration as well. So I do think that there's going to be a compromise on both ends and they'll probably get a deal done. 
So you know that I live in Miami, right? You know this. You know mm-hmm. this. Florida. I can see it right behind you. <laughs> right. And and you and you mentioned the beach out in Los Angeles. So real quick, West Coast beaches or East Coast beaches, Taylor Bashadi? That is too tough because I live here now. So of course I'm a little bit biased to West Coast beaches, but I do love East Coast beaches. I my parents actually live in Palm Beach, so not too far from you. And I love it there. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say both. Why choose? You can't put your feet in the water in the West Coast. Isn't it like 12 degrees below it's, zero? It is very there? cold, I well, feel listen, like, the Pacific it's Ocean. a lot nicer out right now in California than it is in Miami, isn't it? It's a microwave in Miami. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. That's true. That's why we go to the beaches. <laughs> also true. Can't go wrong with, with either beach. Can't go wrong with either. That's can't, too tough. Can't go, wrong. From. Can't, Fair enough. can't go wrong with the the stellar Taylor Bashadi. I finally came up with the, oh, the right you. adjective of NFL Network. <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We're excited about training camp starting. I know know you are as well. uh, So we're pumped about that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. I I, I am a – maybe I'm I'm a little bit random here, Armando, but I'm more like Gulf side beach than Atlantic side beach when it comes to your fine state of Florida. That's not an ocean. I'm more the Gulf. The the Gulf is not an ocean. Chad. Yeah, well, it's, it's salt water, but yeah, I, I I get your point. It's not technically the ocean, yes, but I, I need something a little calmer. You know, I'm not going out there and trying to ride the waves and surf. So, anything nice and calm on the beach that's that's good by me. Um, that's fair. We're gonna be anything but calm in this next segment because every day, Armando, I, I've got a prediction. He's either gonna absolutely love this or absolutely despise this next segment. There's gonna be nothing in the middle. Of this. It's going to be a very visceral response from Armando Salguero as we get weird when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Whisbro across the Outkick Network. Hey, I'm a dad, and I know what dads want for Father's Day. They want steak, world class Omaha steaks. Look, dads deserve top quality American beef, and that's what you'll get with Omaha Steaks as their Father's Day gift. I gift Omaha Steaks constantly to guests on my show. Urban Meyer, the football coach, Mike Krzyzewski, the basketball coach, Kevin Pritchard, general manager of the Indiana Pacers, just to name a few, have received the gift of steak, Omaha Steaks, from me. Order mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Give the gift that I give to guests on my show. Mouth-watering gift packages from Omaha Steaks starting at just 99 bucks. And as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Sack up and get your dad something he'll love this Father's Day. We are flying through the show today on this Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Live from our downtown Nashville studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Armando Salguero is our special guest co-host. And now he gets to take part in a daily tradition where we go off the beaten path in a segment we like to call Let's Get Weird. My dad always told me two things about giving speeches. One, never say anything bad about the Jews. And two... Tell an interesting story. Oh, if Kyrie Irving only could have followed that uh, advice from that great movie, The Campaign. What a help Davey, out. welcome. Yes. 
Love Marty Huggins. I mean, Armando, I don't know if you've seen the film, but he then starts to rant about his pugs. He's like, I have two pugs. One's named Pound Cake and one's named Muffins. And he just keeps going. It's but, a great Galifianakis character. Uh, he's so. used that character in, in numerous places. Always funny. But, guys, my, my story. Well, first off, Armando, I do want to say uh, glad to have you back from your sabbatical. And I appreciate you filling in for us, for Hutton. And uh, it's, all, it's always a pleasure and a treat, sir. I thought you were going to say my suspension. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I tried to keep that on the DL. Man. I would love it's, to get yeah. suspended where I just get like three weeks paid vacation, you know, but no one knows it's a suspension. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go on vacation for a while. That's the type of suspension we should all, you know, strive to attain at some point in our career. Well, guys, my interesting story today comes out of the country of France, which um, also happens to be a coincidence. That is July 14th, which is Bastille Day. So that's pretty much like... They're 4th of July, and uh, so this just timed up perfectly. But France and uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, he's been going through a little bit of turmoil lately and everything that's been going over there. And it just so happens that one of his uh, constituents decided to sever his finger and mail it to the president. Now, I don't know which finger it was, but with that being the case, anytime someone's willing to cut off a digit and send it to somebody, there's probably some more underlying issues at hand. Yeah, I would also, Armando, just assume uh, if that ever happened to me that this person needs to be arrested immediately because this is like Tom Cruise and Minority Report with the pre-crime division. I'm pretty sure I can predict a future crime that's going to happen that's not just this person severing their own finger and sending it in the mail. Someone else is going to be hurt by this person. Let's arrest them now and put them away before that can happen. So what finger, I mean, I mean does the, do the French have like a secret service or no? I mean, the finger actually arrived and the dude saw it? Yeah, I wonder is if that... he opened it up or someone else, like his mail opener opened it up and saw it. Or he's, I could just see him there with his coffee. You know, and just going through the mail and then opens the up box? a severed finger. What's in the box? Um, so there actually is a few more details to this. So they were able to determine that the finger was from a living human being. And they were able to track down the person and give them full medical attention. But I'm, I'm still waiting for more details. The other interesting part about this story was is... Was it a pinky? Was it a pinky? They, they, they haven't said which okay. finger. That's, that's Because the, the next question thing. is, if like, you had to cut off a finger, which one are you cutting uh, off? Maybe it's my left pinky. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, it could have been one of those things. Was it a middle finger? That could have been more of a symbol as to what this person was trying to convey mm. from their message. Or maybe um, he was telling number one. Maybe it was the index finger. He just a really big Macron fan. Could be. And wanted to let him know. Could be. But the, but the big thing here was that they decided, you know what, we got to put this uh, finger in the fridge. But they put the finger in the same fridge as the police officer's snacks and food that they would bring. <laughs> so I thought that was, that was interesting. But oh they, they did that because they needed to analyze it, you know, and track it down. And they were, they were able to at least figure out that much. But, um, yeah, just like this is the fridge where we – uh, leave our severed digits. So, I think any fridge at any medical facility is suspect for that very reason because you don't know what necessarily could be being stored in there. You don't want food up next to it. But uh, that's one that definitely would be even more extreme. I mean, they say uh, every. Would... Oh, go ahead, Armando. No, I would start to question Davey's reading habits um, because the fact that he has found this story and finds it interesting is like I. 
I feel that for you, man. It's, I, I it's feel what he you. does. It's yeah, what he does, Armando. I, well, you kind of brought is... it up. It's. Uh, I was going to ask you, like, how are you feeling about this segment? Because I really didn't give you a whole lot of a heads up as far as like where we're going with this. So is this everything you imagined? Because I, I can no. see your face. And I you're, said you're he's either going to love it or hate it. And right no. now we're leaning towards hating it. I knew right okay. away. I was like, it's, that's what Armando's going to feel about it. Severed digits is not one of the topics I expected to discuss yeah. in today's show, but. Hey, man, roll what, with it. What Let's about go. this next topic, Davey? Yeah. I, I do want to end on, they, they say everything is better in France except for the people, and I think that last story proves it. Uh, <laughs> the next story involves Spanish bullfighting, but even more so than that, Spanish dwarf bullfighting, because uh, you can read the story up on Outkick. I know Joe Kinsey put it up there, but we have an issue where pretty much a bunch of the leftists in Spain are coming for these comic dwarf bullfighters and they're trying to cancel them. They don't want them to have a job. Um, where does this take place in Spain? Uh, the city in which I'm, I'm going to uh, butcher this, but Armando, you might be able to help me out. I think your Spanish is better than mine. It, well, oh, go ahead, Chad. What? Well, I was just going to say that, it, I mean, look, this is very funny, but also bullfighting is trying to be canceled. Like, there's been efforts for years where people don't want bullfighting to continue, thinking it's cruel. Um, it's cruel for both animal and for uh, participant, human participant also. Uh, the eastern uh, Spanish city of Teruel? Maybe? Not familiar. Know. Not familiar. I, I, I visited Alicante us, on the Mediterranean before, but I've never been to that place. I've actually been to a bullfight. Have you really? Yeah. Uh, so the, the Miami Dolphins played... A, a an exhibition game in Mexico one year and the day before the game I had hours to spend and I went to a bullfight was and it enjoyable it was interesting I mean I, you know not my not my deal you know but it was it was exciting I was rooting for the bulls you know yeah, a lot of people do because uh, I I'm weird like like that uh i i was hoping that there was you know gonna be some blood and gore on the on behalf of the humans uh does that make me strange is no that, it makes you human um, i think it makes you normal and, and they had women bullfighters they had i actually talked to one of them um they look good in those outfits by the way the matador outfits yeah. Is there a female equivalent to the matador? Is it a mamador? Do they call it something different uh, over there? Oh, very nice. I'm not sure if that. I, I want to get it right. If there is a different description for uh, for the female matador, I, I've been to Spain. I went there in college, and I stayed with a friend of mine. Uh, she was an exchange student in Alicante, and we went there for spring break, and we stayed with two Americans that were studying in Spain, uh, and this a beautiful place on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, in Southeast Spain, uh, but I'm here to tell you every the only sports on TV were soccer and bullfighting, and you can just wake up at 10 a.m. and watch a bullfight on Spanish television. So I watched bullfights on TV, but I, we never went to a bullfight. So you've got one up on me there, Armando, by having attended a bullfight. Would you guys ever do the running of the bulls because that transitions into the next story? Well, first off, hell no. I can't wait to hear the story, but let me answer that very succinctly. Hell no, would I ever run with the Bulls? That is insane. But go ahead, Davey. Yeah, um, right now, I think it's day eight. I think they might have a couple more. I, I didn't really 
check out how much is left. But one of the big stories that was happening is they actually had a pretty big traffic jam as they were trying to get into the uh, arena, so to speak. And so we got video um, coming up here as to whenever all these people are just stuck and they can't get over this fence. And then, of course, the bulls are coming. And so everybody just ends up getting crushed by the bulls. So having a traffic jam, obviously not ideal. Uh, Pamplona? Or yeah, Pluna? Pamplona. Pamplona? Okay, that's yes, that is the city in which this happens every year. We're currently going through it. There's always a ton of injuries, and yet people still continue to go back. And, uh, I mean, it's a tradition unlike any other. I mean, I just saw uh, like five or six bone fractures look like in that one shot of people getting flipped over onto the pavement. So, true story, I wanted to do that once upon a time in the 90s. And I actually did some research and I talked to one of the guys who actually had done it. And I found out, I come to find out that they do this at eight in the morning, the running of the bulls, except that in Pamplona, the bars are open all night until eight in the morning. And all of these people who are running are at the bars all night until eight in the morning when they're running. And what he told me was the most dangerous thing about running of the bulls is not the bulls. It's the guy in front of you throwing up because he's so drunk off his butt <laughs> that he can't <laughs> keep himself up. And it's the other guy stumbling in front of you and knocking you down. And it's all the, all these dudes are drunk. And well, so the only, it, I think the only good thing about being drunk in that situation is you probably fall better, right? Like, you know, when you get hit or flipped up, like it'd be better to be docile <laughs> as you're going through the air and not, and not stiffen up. So maybe being well, drunk actually helps with that. But also, you're running away from them. Like Everyone that was running away from those bulls looked pretty skilled. We just saw a guy go into like an opening underneath a building like a mouse, to get away from, from the bull so quickly, I, I guess it sobers you up quick, possibly? No, he slipped on vomit. You didn't see that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> well, there was probably <laughs> vomit in that gutter when he got in there, that's for sure. So once I heard that story, my desire to participate just totally dissipated because, no, I'm just not going to be bull fodder. I've, nev I've never had any desire, so you're you're one step ahead of me there, too. Never had well, any desire. What's next, Dave? Yeah, Armand, are you talking about the part partying and it leading into that? Well, I'm going to bring it bring a stateside because a couple of guys that used to party a lot and uh, coming up later, I believe, is it the end of August is when Swamp Kings is coming out on Netflix, the documentary about the right. Urban Meyer era at Florida. Well, Aaron Hernandez's brother, I believe we talked about this a while back, but he got in trouble for throwing a brick at a ESPN building, ultimately led to, you know, a few incidents. And he, I mean, it's not like this guy's been clean as far as staying away from the law. We know the well-documented history of his brother, Aaron Hernandez. And so um, this guy, DJ Hernandez, though, he missed his court date. I mean, whoever could have seen this coming was supposed to show up. And so now there's been an, a warrant issued for his rearrest, uh, stemming initially from the brick-throwing incident at ESPN. Armando, it's been a tough, tough go uh, for the Hernandez uh, family. That, that's for sure. Another, another bad story involving that family. It's tragic. It, I mean, I, you know that Aaron Hernandez signed this $34 million contract like weeks uh, 
before he committed this heinous, heinous crime. And the New England Patriots were uh, propping him up as what the culture embodies, you know, coming from, you know, a, a mid-level draft pick. I think he was a third round pick. He certainly wasn't a first round pick. And he was just from from the opening, you know, gun to to the end of his rookie season. He was just great. And he was great and then great again the next season. And he was going to be the future of that team along with Gronkowski, Gronk, Gronk. And it not, it feels like I'm drunk now. And, <laughs> and, and so uh, the idea that you are so sick and so tormented that given those, that situation, you're running with people and killing, killing folks. And I do think it is folks, no plural. Yeah. Multiple, because, multiple uh, yep. people were murdered by him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude, uh, come on now. You're not in the gutter anymore, my friend. Let's go. Um, and so clearly something not right in the head with those folks. August 22nd is when that will air. August 22nd. We'll be watching. Davey, we'll be uh, probably not watching a lot of these reports you just gave us, but it's good to know about them one time. Either yeah. way, we appreciate you. Take it or leave it. Bring any Zach Galifianakis clips you want to the show. Always, always welcome here. Great job by Davey. So there are some there's at least one rapper that's claiming Skip Bayless is a quote culture vulture. Never heard of this phrase before. Heard about it today. Can't wait to discuss. We'll discuss that and more including the University of Tennessee received their uh, punishment from the NCAA today. Was it harsh? Was it just enough? We'll discuss. Hot Mike coming back next. 